Hello, everyone. I am Jose Betancourt, and with me I have John. How you doing, hey, John? Hey, Jose. What's happening? And Jeffrey. Hey, Jose. Hey, John. So you're hey. listening to uh, Cheese, a photography podcast. And as we ended last week's podcast with John, um, well, actually, Jeffrey talking about his method for putting out photos uh, since John is mainly a landscape photographer, he's been posting themes like basically every month on Facebook. So I really want to, I'm, I'm really interested in speaking to him in, in that regards, how he goes through that entire process and how he comes up with these themes and then follows through. So yeah, John, let's start off with that immediately. Just give us a rundown of what you're doing with your landscape <laughs> photography on, on Facebook. Jose, are you asking John or Jeffrey? I mean, so. Jeffrey, sorry. <laughs> Jeff, if you want me to speak on your behalf, I have no problem. Go right ahead. That's too many right. J's, no. too many J's. Yeah. So I, I, uh, when I first started on Facebook, I think I had like, I don't know, 10, 15 friends. It was my wife, you know, my mother-in-law, a couple of distant relatives and, and a, a, a couple of coworkers. And I would post a photo and maybe somebody three, four or five days later might click like, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And yeah. And I had no approach. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I, I really wasn't involved in any groups. And, uh, so then I started to, to, to decide, you know, let's, let's get involved in a couple of groups and start to expand your network really of people that you connect to share the same passion as you. And let me qualify this. You know, this isn't about how many likes you get or don't get kind of thing. It's about the quality of the work that you do. And it's about engagement. It's about networking. It's about being supportive and appreciating other people's work. So I, I want to clarify that. And when I say friends, I mean, that's a relative term, isn't it? We can define that in any way possible. I would consider the two of you friends. We actually connect like this, but I have lots of people out there that might reply or respond to a photo that I don't know anything about them per se, but we're friends because we're in the same group idea. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I was randomly posting photos and, and there was no approach. I just would throw one up and uh, you know, I had no idea what I was really doing. And so then I decided, you know, I really need a focus to help get me grounded in terms of how I'm going about this. And I came up with the idea of a monthly theme. And I used to be pretty religious about posting every Sunday, uh, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. But then I kind of switched and I moved to where I was trying to post every, you know, say two, three, four days and then, um, uh, I would pick, choose the days. It just depended on, you know, what was going on with work and family and that kind of stuff. So, um, I set out to, to kind of, you know, choose a theme for myself of photos I knew and I had in the collection, but also opportunities I had. So I picked themes that are, are relevant to the th- kinds of stuff that I'm interested in. You know, I did one on bridges. I did one on trees. I did one on the great smoky mountains. I did one on leading lines. And, um, so, so that helped me have a focus in terms of what I was doing. Well, all that to say, I also made a decision a long time ago, and this was kind of controversial and I, I really thought it would, people would bite back at me. If you liked one of my photos, I decided I would send you a friend request. And I really debated about whether, how people would rep- respond to that. Cause I thought people might be suspicious or wonder what you're up to, you know, that kind of thing. And that's how my network really grew over time. And I can tell you today, I, I can count on, 
on one hand, the amount of people who have kind of, you know, suspiciously responded to me and said, I, I don't know who you are. Leave me alone. Don't bother me kind of thing after all of that time. And, um, my network has grown to just, just around almost three, 3,300 friends from that initial 10 or 15 people. So it's been interesting to see that. Um, I've had along the way as I've done these monthly themes, I've had people download my photos and edit them and stick them back up and say, doesn't this look better than the one that you did? Um, <laughs> I've had people tell me it's oversaturated or it's too dark or, you know, the texture is wrong. I've had, you know, lots and lots of stuff like that along the way. And I just thank people for their feedback. But all of that to say, having a theme just really gives me an opportunity to kind of focus my thoughts for a month, a month period of time. And if I'm doing it every couple of days, I need to have a minimum of 10 photos during that month and a maximum of around 15. So if I could 10 to 15 photos around that theme in a given time, whether I take them or I have them in my collection, that's really helped me be grounded. So I upload a photo, I send it to my uh, Weather Snaps page, and then I enter it that same photo with the same text into nearly every group that I'm a part of. I always include a description, location, and the settings because people want to know that kind of stuff. My wife often says, where was that photo taken of some, so-and-so? They see it and they have no idea. So I always try to include that, that information in the description. So anyways, that's been my approach for the last couple of years, and it's really helped me to – to be grounded, but also to be focused, but also to expand my network and connect with a lot of other people uh, who have also mimicked that or inquired about that uh, over time. So that sounds great, man. And you. you know, you've been very consistent. And has there been a moment where you kind of lost focus and wind up posting different themes in the middle of the month? Yeah. Oh. Um, I've had a moment where I set out on a theme and I thought, you know, I probably have enough photos in my collection. And then when it comes time to do it, I go, oh, that's really not very good. Don't <laughs> post that thing. <laughs> so I've had a few of those, but, um, you know, I've been at this probably not quite two years, uh, 18 months doing themes. And um, for the most part, it's just helped me to, to stay focused. I've had times where I've I've wondered Am I doing the right theme for this because of the timing? Maybe I got really busy or whatever, that kind of yeah. stuff. So right now, I mean, today's April, so I start a new theme. It's at home. I mean, there's not many places to go right now mm -hmm. to take photos aside yeah. around the house. So everything inside and outside the house, that's going to be the focus for this month, wow. for the month of April. Yeah. So how do you store all of these photos? Do you have a specific folder on your computer with a separate hard drive? Do you have like a backup? Do you pay for a backup service? Uh, yeah, any absolutely. Of those? Yeah. So any, all of those actually. So I take photos, I bring them into Lightroom, do my edits. I export the ones I want to keep. I put them on the desktop. I throw them into Google photos, which is where I store all of my photos. Uh, I do have a backup hard drive. So I keep a copy of all the raw files, all the JPEG files, and then all the developed files. And, um, sometimes I use, uh, I have, uh, the Nick collection from DXO as well. Uh, and that's, that's been helpful to edit photos. But, uh, basically I have all of those organized by, by my, I do it by month, but, 
but a collection of photos around a particular theme. And then on my folder for the, or I have a, a folder on my desktop every month that I just throw the photos I'm going to be using for that theme. I throw them into that folder and then I, and then I save that into Google photos once the month is done. So I did that this morning for the month of March and now I created a new folder for April. So awesome. Cause as someone who hasn't been in photog- doing photography full time, I'm probably out of the three of us, I'm probably the one with the least experience or the least amount of years. And so for all new photographers, it's, it gets really easy to lose track of all the files you have. You could have quadruple of the same photo stacked around your computer. And before you know, it, you're running out of, of space. So yeah. it took me some time to get a nice little, uh, strategy going where I can store my photos correctly. And I found that as soon as you're done doing whatever you're doing, whether it's street photography or just shooting around the the house or working with a client, I try to store them immediately, name them immediately, and store them away on my computer so this way that's out of the way. I don't have to worry about doing it later. And it it can get really difficult if you let it go in the beginning. And, and, yeah. and that, I'm, I'm really, really certain that that happens to a lot of people who get a camera for the first time, especially a mm-hmm. digital camera where all you need is a big memory card and you can just go shooting away. Yeah. Before Absolutely. you know it, everything is, is all over the place and you're looking for yeah. a specific photo and you're digging through thousands of photos and that's yeah, the worst. That's right. <laughs> what yeah. about you, John? John? What, yeah. What do you do? What do I do? Well, Here's the thing. I started out as a film photographer in the late 80s, and yeah. then I went to grad school and I became a photojournalist, and we were still shooting film until the late 1990s. So we would basically cut up our negatives. We pretty much shot color negative stock, put them in a, uh, a sleeve, throw them on a light table, get a loop out, look at each individual negative, think in reverse as far as what the tonality and the content was. And then we would go into a Kodak 2035 film scanner, bring it up on the computer with um, Adobe Photoshop, whatever it was, three, maybe one. (laughs) Um, You know, before there were things like layers and all that fun stuff. And uh, then we would uh, sit down with our editors, print something out, as sort of a black and white Xerox with a caption below it. And then it would eventually go to pre-press and then it would go to press. So, you know, you flash forward to the late 1990s, we were getting digital cameras. Uh, They were usually one or two megapixel. Um, So it was much more basic kind of image, but it was good enough for newsprint because newsprint is the equivalent of throwing ink at toilet paper going 30 miles an hour in press. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So resolution-wise, by the time it went through the rasterization and the the half-screen process, you wouldn't know the difference if the image Mm. was going to be breaking up or not. And that still holds true to today. Um, uh, So we were morphing from uh, film to Photoshop. And with digital, we were starting to introduce new kinds of uh, processes, still using Photoshop, but no longer needing to scan an image. It kind of cut out that extra step. Um, and we eventually used things like 
um, camera bits, photo mechanic to do our editing. Uh, and then from that culling process, we'd pick a couple images uh, to sit down with our editors with. Um, and by that point, we'd go through Photoshop and do some basic edits, but nothing dramatic because we weren't um, going to change the content of the image. It, it was photojournalism. We had oh, to be okay. really careful about going too far with that, with the dodging and burning and all that, um, and the touching up. Yeah. We had to keep it real, basically. <laughs> So, uh, and then it was archived. So newspapers and magazines have, um, pretty fancy archiving. Now you can get it for pennies on the dollar of what it was. Yeah. Uh, we were using expenses portfolio and that sort of thing. And then we switched to a system that the Associated Press was using for archiving. So we could do a keyword search. So that, that had, has been going on for at least 20 years now, that process process hasn't really changed since then nice yes so, great wow speaking of photoshop john is it i'm sure it's easier now to develop well not develop to edit a digital photo than it was back then but since you had to deal with both what's your preference do you prefer the you know lightroom for example in, in, in the, in the current state of digital photography or do you, do you miss the old days of, uh, dodging and burning? Well, I think with a lot of things in photography, when a, a question's asked, uh, the answer becomes it depends. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> if, if I'm, if I'm photographing something that involves, um, a mass production of final results, a lot of photos for deliberate, for delivery, um, I might use something like Lightroom. Now I'm starting, especially for my portrait work, and especially if I'm tethering something, I'm going to switch over to Capture One um, yep. because I find I find that the color rendering is a little bit more broad. Um, the mm -hmm. gamut representation yeah. is broader, and uh, you know, luckily Capture One has caught up to all these other cameras. So at first, uh, this Danish company was basically catering their software towards their phase one cameras because that's all one yeah. kit and caboodle. Uh, but, but I'm sure they eventually realized, well, there's this whole other market. And it yes, so, some of these other things compete with our products, but we have to please a lot of people at the same time. Mm -hmm. so, so they ventured into supporting these other brands and most recently Fuji. So that's pretty mm -hmm. exciting, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's what I used, Capture uh, 120. Mm -hmm. So that that was the version I bought over the holidays, and that's the version I'm learning on uh, right now. So, Jeffrey, you are you using Capture One, or you you haven't jumped into that yet? I haven't. I've I've, I've been a, a Lightroom user. I I guess my preference there is it's 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 non destructive, meaning I can always go back and mm -hmm. back out of whatever I've done, and I do that. I have purchased um, uh, a series of presets that I have, so I have favorites, of course, of those, and I apply those depending yeah. on whatever type of photography I've done. I, but I've I've become increasingly uh, more familiar and, and confident in using Lightroom. I'm by no means an expert, um, but I do like the tools there. 
I did use on one at one point in time, uh, which mm. was good. It really had a major upgrade and, and I enjoyed that very much, but I, I just, for whatever reason, just maybe because of, uh, Adobe and it seemed to be the standard that many people had used, I, I, I gravitated toward that. I will yeah. say I do store my photos in Google photos and, they have uh, just a small suite of editing tools, but I, I do find I do little touch-ups and things with those yeah. as well. Snapseed is and, not bad. No, it's not. I'm really happy with that. So yes. between the two, and I mentioned also uh, the Nick collection, which used to be owned by Google but was bought by the French company DxO, and uh, I do have that. I particularly love their silver effects if you really want to touch a black and white photo, it's outstanding. Um, and I'm, I'm really keen. So I do use that as well, but I haven't ventured too far beyond any of those. Currently, if you've heard of Affinity, I believe it's a Affinity Photo. It's a photo editor mm-hmm. and they have the, a lineup of edit, editing software. Right now, if you purchase it on, for the iPad, I'm assuming it might work on an iPhone. I'm not sure, but it's $9.99. I believe it's 50% off. Um, So from what I heard is a pretty good piece of software and it has similar functions that come with Photoshop. So you basically have two in one instead of jumping between Lightroom mobile and Photoshop mobile. I believe you could do everything in one shot. So I was thinking of using that as my mobile editing software because I use Capture One and unfortunately they don't have a mobile app. So whenever I'm out and about and I want to edit a photo on the fly, I got to either use Snapseed or Lightroom. But with Lightroom, because I don't pay the fee, I could only edit JPEGs. Right. So I have to convert it into a JPEG. And then, so it's a lot of work. So the convenience of Lightroom mobile, especially, was a a big reason why I didn't jump into Capture One right away. But once I, I tested out the demo and I saw how it's, it's just something different, as John was stating, there's something different when you're editing, uh, specifically, uh, well, when you're using Capture One for a specific brand, but when you're editing with Fuji, it's just something different about it that you notice after you're done editing. And that's why I jumped into it because especially with the GFX, it, there's yeah. just something to it that you get so much out of it. And that's why I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to pay for the one-time fee and I don't have to continue paying a monthly rate. And I have more control over my files. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the allure of Affinity because uh, Affinity also has a one-time fee set up. Uh, yes. And it's yep. extremely affordable, as you <laughs> mentioned. Um I got it from my iPad Pro a couple years ago. Oh, okay. How do you uh, like it? I think it, it? It was about 20 bucks, and I, I, I liked it a lot, and I need to try it more. But the, the rationale behind getting it was um, I was on a trip where I didn't want to bring my laptop, but I still wanted to have the creative control of something robust like Photoshop yeah. um, and or Lightroom. I, I just it, it did the trick. And the other fascinating thing about it was – I could use my tablet like a Wacom mm-hmm. tablet. I could get a stylus out and I could finesse it and have so much more dexterity with the adjustments I was making to, especially with touching up um, skin and that sort of thing. Uh, it, it made it a lot easier for uh, for touching up images. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I saw somebody stitching photos with Affinity. And oh, wow. I, th- I think you can only do that with Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was able to do that right there and then, and also, uh, I forgot the name, it just went right by me, but uh, photo stacking as well. He stacked all his images right through Affinity. So I was like, wow, this is a pretty wow. powerful piece of software that you could do. Yeah. A lot of things for ten dollars. So I was like, "Hmm, I'm really uh, torn up as to whether I should buy it or not." Because my thinking is, I don't need it right now because I'm home, and that goes mm-hmm. for a lot of us. So I'm sure once everything goes back to normal, the prices are going to go back. And as oh. we, the three of us, were sharing links last week, various websites, various services are giving away a lot of their services, their learning tools for creatives. So that is, you know, so admirable and hopefully a lot of people take advantage of it. And, uh, so if you shop around on, on your favorite app stores, you're going to see a lot of sales currently going on or maybe even extended trial offers. I've seen 90 day trial offers for, I think the Adobe suites, which are pretty expensive. I think uh, Final Cut Pro, I, th- I believe, might be an Adobe suite. Part of that. That's a, that's actually a, a Apple product. Oh, it is. I, I think uh, I saw a ninety day trial for that yeah. too, which is expensive, but it's so, um, it's so Adobe in-depth. might have they might have Premiere on sale. Yes, but I know that's they've what been Premiere. Yeah, I know they've been, they've had an offer for over a week where people can get. I believe it's several months of mm-hmm. free. Uh, cloud um so oh, wow. what people what people are ending up doing is they're canceling their subscriptions getting the deal and when mm-hmm. uh things hopefully blow over uh they just reinitiate yeah. their yeah. subscription or a new subscription so it's good there's so many choices out there so mm-hmm. you, like where do you begin and i think you, ha- you pretty much have to begin from asking yourself what are my needs what do I like to look at? What do I like to photograph? And then work your way back yeah, from there. Yeah. Kind of, kind of do what, uh, Jeff was talking about earlier. Come up with a theme and then build around that theme. And this way you can narrow down exactly what you need. Cause John, as you stated, there's so much out there for creatives that, and, and it's such a great thing that these companies are doing because a lot of a lot of us are are in harsh hard times right now because of this mm-hmm. particular crisis so uh yeah. big companies are doing all they can to help to help people out yeah. which is yeah. great to see and, i would and for, i would just add and i think both of you highlighted this i mean i think this this whole regardless of the technology you use to edit your photos or store them I think it's just having a plan for how you're going to handle them you so you've gone out taking photos you you take out your your SD card and now what? What what is your next step? What do you want to do and to ensure that you both preserve it and know how to access it, whatever tool set you use. So I know both of you, I'm sure, have a workflow in mind of how I'm going to go back and get those photos or access them or edit them mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think it's just having a plan and allowing them the tools to be a part of that journey from how you get from taking the photo to actually retrieving it in the future or accessing it wherever you want to view it and um, want to edit it kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody who might be listening and thinking about it, it's just coming up with what are those steps that work for you? And um, 
there's a lot of nuances in there of, of how folks handle those things. I have a process that I use, which is, I'm sure, quite different than the two of you, but at least I know how to go back and get them or edit them mm-hmm. or display them, you know. Yeah, in tag a meeting. them. Put, you know, ta- put, tag them under a certain name, you know. Right. When I right. tag this podcast, I tag it under cheese. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what were we going to say, Joe? Oh, I think the key is just to kind of find your own way, too, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a lot of information out there. And don't always compare yourself to other people. Um, yeah, yeah, that's like we were mistake. talking about, <laughs> f- figure out, because I, I mean, I think somebody once said comparison is the thief of joy. Um, I think it's great to be inspired by what everybody else is doing, but I also find gratification from trying to figure out what I want to say with the camera. Yeah. Um, and right now for some people, this might be a, a lemon to squeeze that uh, some of us might have a little bit extra downtime to think about what we want to say with our photography. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, how we, how we want to forge our vision um, and, and what tools we might want to bring to bear to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I, I've been posting fo- old photos that I went back and I said, all right, now that I have capture one, let me re-edit them. And, and, and use some of the things I've learned between now and the time I took those photos, which they go back some as far as three years. So as you stated, John, it, we have extra time in our hands so we can use that time to hone our skills. Now, one thing I want to, I want to say before we leave is that most of us have smartphones. And if you're not into photography, uh, now's a good time to pick up that smartphone and start documenting what's currently going on at home because we're living in a, in a, in a moment that is historic. People are going to look back 10 years from now and ask us, how did we deal with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so document. Everything you can with your smartphone, create your own styles, because those photos are going to be very important in the coming years. Um, and it's a good way through social media to share them with your loved ones who you can't see because mm-hmm. they're locked away too. So share those photos with your loved ones, with your friends. And one thing they told me when, um, I saw several doctors regarding my head injury, and one of the things they say is continue to do your hobbies so that your brain is dealing with patterns and thinking ahead of time, learning new dance, so on and so on. Unfortunately, a lot of us who have hobbies like mountain climbing or fishing, we can't do that right now. So think of something you can do at home. Mm-hmm. My opinion, photography is perfect. You have a, mm-hmm. you have a smartphone with a great camera already. You're documenting your life. You're sharing them with your loved ones. You know, some grandparents can't see their grandkids, so on yeah. and so on. So there's a good way to share and, and, and for at least a few moments, allow people to forget about what's currently going on because regardless of how much we try, it's getting harder and harder to forget about what's going on. Uh, it's mm-hmm. because it, for a lot of us, it's getting closer and closer to, to people that we know or people that we love. 
So just do that, you know, yeah. just, you know, and that's why I'm using this platform to try to share what I can. Yeah. Great. And of course I have two great guys with me that, that are great at, at doing that as well. Well, you're an enabler. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been called worse. Let me stop. <laughs> you know, one of the other things, I'll just add this because I totally agree and I appreciate what you just said, Jose, a lot. One of the things, you know, picking at the theme at home for April is, you know, every day you walk by all your stuff in your house or outside in the yard, the garden, furniture. How do you mm-hmm. look at it in fresh ways with new eyes and with creativity? Yeah. Try to figure some of that out. That's a challenge to me. Oh, so a big challenge. That's, that's kind of what I'm focusing on for the month, you know. And but you're also preserving a very delicate and difficult moment in history mm-hmm. uh, with your family, of course, uh, you know. And yeah. so it's figuring out how do you do that, but also do it with fresh perspectives. Yes. And, uh, so yeah, you were talking about uh, trying to look at things with a new perspective it was funny i was i had the shower going and before i got in i look at the soap and then there's like a scrub on the side and i freaking with my fingers i i squared it up and i'm like oh that'll be a cool picture (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's just just because as we we talked about uh john and i when we had jan's on our minds are always racing and looking at things and composing them in yeah. the most inopportune ways, we're, you know, we're eating with our family, we're, we're out with our friends. So now it's like, okay, now we could use that and, and, and make something out of nothing, basically. Yeah. I just don't have any clowns to chase right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's right. Great. I know. Maybe we should create a service, you know, rent the clown. There you just, go. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll just uh, imagine a squirrel as a clown and, and uh, up the game a little bit, you know. It might involve some climbing. So that's yeah, physical. Yeah. That's it'd, be like, it could be like Rocky, Absolutely. Rocky three when he was chasing the chicken, you know. There, there you go. Exactly. exactly. Get down to my fighting weight. <laughs> So yeah, you know, um, we appreciate everyone that listens to the podcast. And of course, I appreciate, uh, John and Jeffrey hopping on during, uh, you know, the evening hours when they could be spending time with their family. So thank you guys. And uh, hopefully you guys have found the, the audience that is have found something in this particular episode that helps you out. So we're going to wrap it up until next week. You guys take care and we'll speak to you soon.